Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And now Henry Davis cracks one deep to left field. How about going back to back against Shohei? Henry Davis hits. And hits this a long way the other way to deep right center field. Henry Davis goes oppo. And a no doubter to right. Henry Davis is second of the night. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. We've had a mini hiatus here on Rum Buncher. We'll call it that. This is our first episode since that 2023 draft, just, uh, I guess, two weeks ago now. Nick Caparoso, Trey Entity here with you as we are rejoined today by Cody Duncan, writer at Rum Buncher, Twitter extraordinaire. You've probably seen his work. You might have seen his tweets as well. Uh, excited to have Cody on for the second time here to uh, to break it all down. I feel like we didn't have you long enough the first time, Cody, and a lot has gone on, not just since the last time we had you, but what's gone on in the last couple of weeks in the world of Pirates baseball. Um, of course, uh, a crazy offseason that led into a, a fun start to the year. I want to get your thoughts on, on everything that, is, that has happened in 2023, but we're going to be focusing on a few things today. Uh, this draft, how the rest of it went, talk about some of the contracts, where the money lined up, for the Pirates, um, you know, and talk about, of course, these call-ups as well here. Indy Rodriguez with his first career home run last night in Anaheim. Uh, but, you know, the Pirates now potentially in line for another top three pick as this season has, uh, has just turned in, in one way as we wrap up the month of July. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Uh, Cody, I want to start with you, man. It's been a little bit. I, I hope you're doing well. I hope uh, everything is going well in the collegiate world for you. But uh, how you been, man? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I've, I've been doing good. Um, a little bit better than how the Pirates have been doing. But, uh, yeah, I'm glad to be on. Nick, how are we feeling? And I got to say, too, as we get the episode started, Marty Leap, our, our third uh, third partner here, is out in California right now at the Pony League World Series. I uh, didn't catch him on ESPN Plus later today. And uh, the championship is at an MLB Network. Um, Avery is his son competing out there. They won the region about a week ago today, so big shout out to Marty, and uh, good luck the rest of the way out there in California. Nick, how are you feeling? Yeah, 
like you said, um, you know, Marty, you know, he doesn't just know know about the Pirates, but he, he knows about, you know, Pony League Baseball as well as he helps coach that team. So, you know, make sure you give him some props. Um, yeah, overall, though, uh, like Cody said, you know, it's been a tough couple weeks, but I think there's definitely been, you know, some positives that we can we can really focus on and, uh, you know, help get us through um, the, the dog days of summer here. Yeah. No doubt. And uh, Cody, we're kind of talking about it before we got started. I love how, how positive your Twitter is at times, the way you highlight certain guys. And I'm um, excited to get into that, that stuff here. There were some positives over the last few weeks, along with a lot of the losing that has gone on with this team. The All-Star break went down as well since the last time we recorded here. Uh, but since then, the Pirates starting out the second half. Cody, I want to start with your thoughts on 2023 as a whole how do you think that this season has gone as far as the timeline the window of contention we were a little bit in a different point of this rebuild the last time we had you on the episode now we're seeing guys come up we're seeing this thing come to fruition in a way what has been your overall take on how much the pirates organization has arrived in 2023 yeah so i think I think the the biggest issue I had this year was the you know the kind of the the start we had in April where we started out twenty and eight and it kind of gave us false hope um, throughout this year. Now, if that wouldn't have happened and we would be with if the Pirates' record is what they are now and if and we wouldn't have had that great start in the beginning of April, I don't think I'd be as mad or disappointed. And what where they're at right now because they have brought up Henry Davis, they brought up Nick Gonzalez, they brought up Indy Rodriguez. You know, you got we we even saw. I mean, I even went to Quinn Priester's debut, right? So they're bringing up these these young guys that we want to see. But with that record of twenty eight in the beginning, twenty and eight in April, that's when. Well, actually, I really wanted to see these guys come up when we were thirty four and thirty going into that really crucial uh, divisional series against the Brewers and Cubs. That's where I think they made the mistake of not bringing these guys up. Uh, but, you know, overall, I, I like the, the, what we're seeing with these rookies. Um, Henry Davis has been phenomenal, uh, more than we, what we can ask for at this point in time. We'll see if that continues this year. Uh, but, you know, he's looking like a true 1-1 pick right now. Uh, so I'm really, ha really happy with Henry Davis and how he's playing at the major league level. I think Henry, da or excuse me, Andy Rodriguez is, you know, he started off slow those first couple games, but sometimes it's an adjustment to, to the big league pitching. And, you know, we'll see how he does um, these next few weeks. But he, he, he looks like he's coming along these uh, these past couple games. You know, he hit his first home run yesterday. He looked like he knew what he was doing. He he helped. um you know, with the shutout yesterday, they didn't give up any runs against the, the Angels. So, you know, behind the plate, he seems like he's doing a good job. Now, I think Nick Gonzalez, on the other hand, he still has those strikeout rate percentages that we don't want to see. Uh, but overall, I think he's held his own here as well. So there's a lot of young guys that I'm really excited to see what they do the rest of this year. I'm I'm more so looking at the progress of what those guys are going to do for next year more than the record itself now. But like I said, back in April, it was kind of like a false hope, which made a lot more people disappointed than because of where where they're at right now. So that's that's how I see this season, um, at at least as of the end of July. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you, Cody. It's it's the hesitation for me at the like you said, you can go end of April or even into May. You know, other teams in in our division were were like the Reds were making those call ups and seeing the the instant impact that um, not only on the field, but like just the energy and the culture building of making those moves. And, you know, I think we kind of saw that, like we saw the excitement with our call-ups. It's just like, it should have been sooner. And, you know, when you start off the season, your GM saying, Oh, like we, we thought we'd be in fourth place. Well, okay. Like take advantage of that. Like this isn't, this is a sports world, man. Not everything's going to work out the way you think it is take advantage of that opportunity and they didn't they decide to play the long-term game which is something that we as pittsburgh pirates fans can say we are so sick of um but like you said it is what it is we're here now um the talent's here like you said henry davis is doing you know everything he can to to be that um instant impact player for the pirates you know um you know, I saw a tweet this week about Ellie De La Cruz getting all this, you know, press and stuff. And meanwhile, like Henry Davis is putting up better numbers than he is over the last couple of weeks. So, you know, and nothing against Ellie. He's, you know, we have O'Neill. We saw the press around him last year when he was doing that stuff. So, but it just shows you that, you know, like you said, Henry at 1-1 probably made a lot of sense. Now, you know, Andy, I agree with you as well. I think you're seeing him become more comfortable. He talked about how he cried three times on the plane on the way to make his big league debut. Like you said, it's an adjustment, not just on the field, but off the field in your head. Um, you know, he's a he's a young young player who flew up the the Pirates rankings, and you know, probably was definitely um, amped up a little little too much over those first couple games trying to to prove that he belongs and can be that catcher behind a plate after hearing about you know for the first couple months of the season how well these guys we don't know if they're ready for behind the plate so you know and the i'm sure was pressing you know and now that he got that first hit which led to the comeback the other night against the guardian day i should say against the guardians and like you said, he hits his first home run. He misses his second last night by just a little bit, you know, and you're seeing better at bats. He took a walk last night, I believe. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's it's okay to get excited about about what we're seeing on the field right now. But overall, you know, like you said, it's been a tough, tough season. It has. For a lot of reasons, but these are the things that you are able to get excited about, no matter what the record looks like or, you know, the way it's fallen apart through the summer. Um, and, hey, a little bit of fun, guys. Month of April, it was the first winning month since uh, May of 2019. So we've had one over the last four years. Kind of crazy to think about. Um, but, you know, we are seeing these guys up now, even though uh, maybe should have been a little bit earlier in the season. This is something that uh, that we can get excited about. We talked about it in our group message a little bit this week. Um, Nick, do you think that it's right to continue to play Henry Davis in right field? Um, you know, for both you gentlemen, what is the ideal playing time scenario for this team when it comes to Henry Davis, Andy Rodriguez, figuring out the the balance and ultimately what does that lead to for, for both of these gentlemen? I was going to save this for the sour pierogi, actually. <laughs> and 
Well, let's go ahead. Let's do our sour pierogi then. Let's All right. I was going to use it on just honestly something we've talked about, the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, fan circles, social media, the pressure that's put on Henry Davis to perform in right field right now. Um, first and foremost, there's only one catcher that can be on the field. Okay. You want to get them consistent playing time. You're not playing games with trying to get them – rotated back and forth back there because that's just going to affect their bats then okay henry davis was taken one one the only prospect that was ranked ahead of henry davis was andy rodriguez who plays the same position so you got to figure it out henry davis's arm works in right field okay we've seen that um you know he's been this close to throwing guys out multiple times and i saw a stat that has his arm like somewhere in the top five or six right field arms right now so it definitely works you know how many games has he played in right field cody do you know like 40 (laughs) yeah so he's played more games in right field on the major league level than in in the minor leagues uh i think he had like four four or five games maybe in uh in in Altoona and then like maybe six games in right field and in triple A. And then, and now he has, I think like 19 or 20 games in the majors. So yeah, he's, it's going to be an adjustment for him clearly. I mean, he's never played that position. I think I saw in an interview or heard an interview that he said that he played in the outfield in high school, but not, not often. So if you, if you're barely playing, uh, even in the high school level, that position, of course, is going to be a, in a major a major adjustment uh, on the major league uh, level. Yeah, and th- so the impressive thing about Henry Davis, one of the things, is his athleticism. You know, he like he's not, you know, he's a ball player that's going to get after it no matter where he is on the field. He's going to learn how to play right field if that's where they want him to play. Why are we expecting him all of a sudden three days later to be, oh, fine, in right field? He's like, talk to me in September. Let's see how he's playing in right field in September. The Pittsburgh Pirates, who, like we said, are in line for potentially a a top three pick again this year, um, don't care if Henry Davis bobbles the ball in right field right now. They they don't, okay? As long as he's not doing that next year in April. You know, they want to see that progress. The progress isn't going to come in three days. It's not going to come next week, okay? Like, I don't know why, like, Every time he makes a mistake, it's, oh, take him out of right field. Like, Polanco made mistakes nonstop in right field. <laughs> Martin yeah. made mistakes in left field. The people, like, you, you just got to – that's the other part of this. Like, he's playing up against the Clemente Wall at PNC Park. Like, right fields across baseball in general where he's been playing, he's played some tough right field locations too with higher walls. So it's like just give the guy – a second don't worry about his playing right field if he's smashing the ball yeah no i agree with you uh nick but i also have some speculate well this is just speculation but i personally think right now the reason why he's not catching well he's catching behind the scenes is what they're saying they're he's trying he's still catching just not in actual games but my my thought or my theory to this is i think they're truly wanting to trade austin hedges during this trade trade deadline. And I think they're going to wait for him to be gone before Henry Davis starts getting those uh, playing time or gets playing time behind the plate. Um, 
and that will be probably after the trade deadline, in my opinion. Now, if they can actually trade Austin Hedges, but apparently he has some value. I mean, if if Austin Hedges is used correctly, which he he has he has a lot of he he personally, in my opinion, he has a lot of value to the team as a backup catcher, right? You don't you don't really have to worry about your backup catcher hitting if he's only catching one or two times a, a week, right? And that's where he has the value because he he does know how to run a pitching staff. You know, he knows he knows all the ins and outs of the game. And that's why I think the Pirates are basically just waiting to see if they can get rid of him or trade him. And then once they trade him, I still think Indy Rodriguez is going to be the starting catcher throughout the rest of the year. But I think Davis is going to get those backup, um, you know, maybe one or two times a week type games uh, behind the plate. That's just my 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 theory of what they're planning on doing. No, and I want to build off that, Cody, because that's kind of like what I'm saying, like – they're not going to play this game of trying to figure out how to get everyone at bats. Okay. They're letting Henry Davis play in right field because like you said, Andy clearly is the catcher behind the plate of the future. That's at least what they believe right now. So they're not going to take a bats away from those two guys by having them play the same position. When you have another catcher who is serving a purpose on this team as well. And like you said, if they trade him, then it makes a lot more sense. Hey, yeah, Davis can be that backup catcher, but at the same time, you're not wasting his bat on the bench as the backup catcher. Okay. And, you know, the, the whole DH thing, clearly Andrew McCutcheon's our DH at this point, and they clearly use that position as almost as a day off, you know. So I don't want – um to sit here and try to make Henry Davis, who has a 70, 80 arm, um, you know, a, a DH healer. So it makes sense why they have him right field. Like you said, Cody, right now it's for the best to get him those consistent bats. I agree with you. I think they're going to be able to trade hedges. I think a team they just played makes a lot of sense. Uh, Cleveland, this is where he was before, um, you know, had a very good reputation when he was there. And, you know, they're right back in the hunt. So I think they could make, you know, a lot of sense. Uh, just as a, you know, you're not going to get much for him, but just as like you said, to find a team who would be open to, to making a deal for him. Yeah. You know, and to add that veteran, uh, mind in Austin Hedges, one of these teams in contention, I, I think would invite that. Uh, and I want to talk about some other potential trades later on in the episode. Um, is it crazy to think that, that first base is potentially an option? And, you know, this is, when you talk about Henry and Indy Rodriguez, this is a good problem we have. It's a good problem because of the versatility of Henry Davis. Uh, we've talked about first base before. Is that realistic at all for Henry Davis's future? I mean, I think it is. But for me personally, I, I just don't love having the arm there. Um, the arm is, like I said, it's a 70, 80 grade arm. It's the top of the scale. So for me, I don't. I think that's why they have him in right field. You know, I think it's one of those things. Like, like I said, if we get into next April and he's still not looking very comfortable in right field and not, you know, making the correct reads and improvements you expect, then okay, maybe uh, let's start rethinking where we're going to get him consistent at bats. But yeah, for me, I I'd rather not have him at, at first base. Yeah, I agree with you, Nick. Um, if you are tired and uh, 
sick of seeing him bobble a ball in right field. Imagine how many balls he might bobble at first. Um, so I'm perfectly fine with him playing or him playing right field this year. Um, he's got the arm, can't utilize that at first base. So let's see what he can do at right field. And if you know, like like Nick said, if by September he hasn't improved, well, maybe they'll move on with you know that that experiment essentially. So give him time, and we'll see if he can uh, you know master the position. It'd be fun to watch. And, um, you know, if, if it does work out with right field, you, you check a box when it comes to need um, there as well. So Henry Davis, obviously they got this one right, gentlemen. This is a pick that uh, was a little bit surprising. The day of, of course, with some of the mocks we saw, with some of the projections we had made going into that 21 draft. Um, but, you know, they did it for reasons that we would find out in the coming days. And, um, you know, if you look at it now in hindsight, Henry Davis uh, certainly you can justify it, number one overall, even without the way that they uh, kind of manipulated the pool money in that draft. Um, hey, while we're on it, guys, before we uh, before we move on to the rest of what happened in this year's draft, let's get to the rest of our, our top of the trolley here. Nick, I know you had your sour pierogi, um, but let's go top of the trolley. What was the best thing that you saw this week in Pirates baseball? Um, you know, I, I'm going to take the easy route here and take the, the Henry Davis, uh, two home runs off Otani. Um, you know, obviously to see a rookie who you have high expectations for take, you know, one of the best pitchers in the American league and all of baseball, um, take him deep, but then to take him deep a second time and to take him right center to the second time was, I think, even more impressive, just showing that it kind of shows he was on it. You know what I mean? Like the first one, like he he got, he hit it well. And the second one, I think, was a, a better piece of hitting. And, um, you know, overall, I just, you know, it's very, um, what's the word? It's very... Uh, you know, motivating, I guess, to see, um, hopefully. And, you know, I think the rest of the team, you know, was feeding off that, that energy from that. And that's, that's why, like you said, what makes Henry Davis the right pick at one, one is not only what we've seen him doing on the field, taking, you know, a guy like Otani deep twice, you know, for no one, no one has ever done that in one game. So, you know, it's it's an impressive feat for sure for the rookie, but also, um, you know, what what you see him doing after the fact, the energy he's bringing to the team, seeing him t talking with Andy and Hedges and just, you know, doing the right things. You know, Henry Davis is definitely at the top of the trolley uh, this week for me. All without batting gloves to there. Cody, the best thing you saw this week in Pirates baseball. To be honest with you, it has it. I saw it, and it was last game, um, and that was Indy Rodriguez's leadership uh, towards that end of the game. Bases loaded, one out, um, and he was encouraging a, uh, a veteran All Star and ba David Bednar to keep him going, and he got him uh, motivated to hit into that double play. Uh, the Angels to hit into double play, and he was encouraging him the whole way, and it was just showing that. You need to have leadership behind the plate. A catcher has to be one of the leaders on uh, um, on this team, and he showed it last night. And not only did he do, show it defensively, but he showed it on the offensive side as well. But on top of that, it's just like 
throughout the whole game, he was motivating and helping out helping out his back with him too. Yeah. Yeah. It's the energy. It, like you said, it's you just see that him pumping up Bednar, and it's like that's especially a guy like Bednar. That's what he needs. He needs that energy and that energy the other players feed off of it. Sorry for cutting you off, Cody. No, you're no, that's exactly what I was getting at. And you know, he did that with um I believe I could be wrong, but he did that with Perdomo, um, you know, a couple innings earlier. And, you know, he just kept his kept his pitchers in into the game. And he and, you know, that's what that's what you need, um, you know, behind the plate. You can't have a guy that doesn't look like he cares. <laughs> I mean, that's the guy clearly cares about winning. And he, he he's you know, he's a motivator. He's a leader on the field. And that's what you need, especially for a 23 year old rookie. No doubt. No doubt. My top of the trolley is, is kind of in line with that as well. Um, the fact that we got to see Andy Rodriguez come up the same day as – make their first career start the same day as Quinn Priester. Uh, just getting to watch Quinn throw to Indy. Special moment, special day. Uh, almost a full week ago now, last Monday. Um, but good stuff there, guys. Uh, Cody, did you have a sour pierogi? Anything that uh, stuck out to you this week is the low point? Yeah. Um, when I went to the game – and I was watching Quinn Priester pitch the first three innings, all I think nine straight ground outs. And then Jason Mackey decided to tweet about me saying that uh, I was the uh, <laughs> I was the guy uh, because I went to the game that he was doing so well. And literally the inning, <laughs> the next inning, he, he gave up like three runs. I was like, okay, you're gonna have everyone hate on me on Twitter now. Thanks a lot, Jason. Jason put the jinx on you, man. Unbelievable. Uh, cool, cool start, though. First three innings to watch him go that way. Uh, not only perfect, but, you know, all ground yeah. balls. Um, yeah, I, like, I would say it was, you know, the, the end of that game was, you know, obviously sour. I think Derek Shelton, his management would probably be my, what did you want to call it, the sour? Yeah. As much as we can. You're like the City Connect, of course. Yeah, because, listen, Quinn Priester, you could see that they were starting to see him well. Um, after five innings, you could have taken this kid out um, after five and it would have been a, a very good outing for him in the beginning of the year. But you kind of, you know, he does what he, I mean, Derek Shelton does a lot of things that I question. And that was one of them, keeping him in, going to that sixth inning. And they they beat him up and they they had no one in the bullpen either. That's one what bothers me is that, right. They had no one up in the bullpen. Yeah. And I was just like, you're just leaving him out there to drive kill his confidence even you know even more that you know who you're just like hey go battle through some innings you know like you said this was the start mattered more for Quinn Priester than it did anything else and I agree with you I thought that was a huge mistake by Shelton I was at the game with my, my dad and brother and we all said the same thing as well so I think you know I think a lot of us were on the same page with Derek Shelton there yeah, I just wanted to see, you know, he he gave up his third run after that fifth inning. I'm like, listen, he get, he went five innings, three runs. That's a good outing for a 22 year old rookie. Okay, let him let him let him enjoy that. Get him out of the or or if you're gonna put him in the sixth inning, he gives up his first hit, you take him out. But you didn't have anyone in the bullpen. You make another questionable decision with your bullpen management. I'm really really on thin ice with Derek Shelton right now but you know I know he's working with you know not a lot but at the same time 
he makes a lot of uh, questionable decisions too. So, yeah, that is my sour uh, pierogi. Well done. Well done for the sour pierogi debut and the top of the trolley debut as well there. You know, while we're on it, and I want to get into the rest of this 2023 draft, uh, I know you, you gentlemen both had articles out on some of the numbers and uh, the rest of, of how it went there. But while we're while we're on it, Cody, we see your tweets. You know, you're so active on Twitter. You have a lot of interactions. But, you know, this is an opportunity for you to, to really describe it. You're on, you're on uh, don't know if we're going to go video for this one yet, but you have the chance for people to hear you, hear your outlook. So I want you to just, if you don't mind, just kind of describe your true outlook on this team and, uh, and what led you there. Yeah, I mean, I, I, listen, I think 2024 is going to be the year that they have to do something, all right? Ben Sherrington's been in this, you know, in this GM position for now going, you know, 2024 is going to be his fifth year. Okay. You've had now two one, one picks. You've had all four of your picks have been in the top seven picks, right? You've had a lot of slop slop money to work with in in these four drafts. Okay. We need to start seeing some, some, uh, some, uh, encouraging things on the big league level and and when i mean that i mean you need to start not only being competitive but you need to be fighting for at least a wild card next year if you're not fighting for a wild card they need to they need to reset now that doesn't mean get rid of all their players or anything because i still think they have a nice young group of uh, of guys coming up we're seeing it right now but and I think he's done a decent job with drafting. I think he's done a decent job with trades. I know he's he's made some bad trades. Uh, we won't get into that, but the Josh Bell trade, you know, him just absolutely destroying the Pirates last week while we DFA the, the top pitcher that was part of that trade. Yeah, that did not feel good to be a Pirates fan uh, when that happened. But um, – and I'm not saying Josh Bell is, you know, the best best player in the world, but, man – you get you the best the, the best guy you get your DFAing from that's that's not that's not acceptable. I so, died on the Eddie Yeen Hill. Died on it. Yeah, right. So there's a you know there's a lot of promising things I see, but there's a lot of things that I I shake or you know at least shake my head and and question. Uh, I think the coaching staff. I think they need to, regardless of how the season ends. I think they need to look at a different hitting coach. I, you know, I don't, I don't really like to say that, you know, you should fire somebody, but at this point in time, I don't think Andy Haynes is the right guy for this, this job. When you have a story that Jason Mackey posted, uh, well, it wasn't a story. It was a tweet last night where he said that Henry Davis is the one that helped Andy Rodriguez adjust to the major league hitting with, you know, why isn't that Andy Haynes's job? Well, why why did he not find the uh the wasn't there that- someone earlier in the year too whose like wife pointed something out to them like in their swing i can't remember who it was but it was the same thing it's like what's the coaching staff doing or <laughs> yeah so and you know i've i've heard some other things where it's just like this guy isn't the right guy like i heard last year from my source with o'neill cruz where he had to bring in somebody from the Dominican Republic to get him to get him going again. So it's just like hitting coach. If if you can't, if you can't, if your hitting coach can't help you out, you need to find a new hitting coach. Okay. So I think if this, from what I need to see for next year, okay, I need to first off the rest of this year, I need to see these kids progress. Okay. If we see some progression on the major league level with these kids, which we're already seeing, then that's a step. 
on top of that, we need to see, okay, we need to see some off-season spending. I don't care. It doesn't have to be top-tier type guys, but it needs to be the better than the scrap heap that we've been, you know, signing. Uh, Vince Velasquez, we don't need another Vince Velasquez hype video, okay? Uh, I don't need to see a hype video of a guy that has a 5 ERA. okay? We need somebody that actually is going to do something. Uh, you know, with, you know, maybe make a splash – and I've already posted this. You know, there's a guy out there that's going to – from in the KBO, Jung Ho Lee. Okay, Henry Davis isn't the right fielder. Maybe he maybe he isn't the guy. Okay, well, this guy is going to be posted in the KBO. He's going to be affordable. I'm sorry. He's going to be affordable. Make a splash like that. You do stuff like that. You make you, – you show that you're, you're progressing in 2000 – for 2024 and you want to compete. Then that's where I'm at. That's where I'm – I will say, you know what, this 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 front office is doing a, a decent job now. But as of right now, they need to they need to show it. They can talk all they want to talk, but they need to show it next year. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more the the coach and staff than anything. We we see these guys um, in the minor leagues succeeding, and they come up and we see very mixed results. Um, so for me, like I said, the coaching staff at the major league level, obviously has been questioned, you know, all season. And I, and I think it should be Shelton makes me scratch my head every other day, I think. And Andy Haynes was let go by the Brewers, uh, for a reason. So, you know, that the Brewers, the Brewers, OPS like the past five years is like below 700. So yeah. it's like their their overall team OPS. So it's like if he wasn't getting it done with the Brewers, what made you think he was going to get it done with the Pirates? Right. right. That's kind of what I was. Yeah, kind of what I'm thinking. And like Eric Shelton is supposed to be this this hitting coach was hitting coach for Joe Madden for five six years whatever. And it's like what we just see this philosophy at the plate that doesn't doesn't look like you know you have a hitting coach running the team you know what i mean like, oh, like it's, it's the the coach in the nfl you're airing it out <laughs> you know you yeah. get a hitting coach in the mlb and we got our we got our best hitters up there um guessing if they should swing or not <laughs> i don't know there's something wrong and you know, I like I said, I I'm more critical. I think of of the coaching staff than I am the front office at this point. Front office for me, it's more like uh, I I describe it as like a, a college football coach. You know, it's kind of dumb to fire a coach before his first recruiting year. You know, gets to be upperclassmen at least. So that that's where I'm at. Like we're seeing, okay, some of these guys that they did the you know invest in already are making an impact and um you know especially like you said through the draft and we can talk about the last regime here real quick because i don't see a lot of differences in this coaching staff versus that coaching staff and how things are ran with the front office but the draft has been exceptionally better um neil huntington was a, a horrible uh draft guy i just like went back and looked at some of them and it's like because we cut swaggerty if you go like 
2012, no first round pick. 2013, Reese McGuire bust for you. Austin Meadows basically didn't play for you. 2014, you got Cole Tucker, bust. 2015, Kevin Newman, bust. 2016, Will Craig, see you later. 2017, Travis Swaggerty. 2018, Shane Boss. Like, no wonder this team didn't have talent. They didn't have a first round pick stay in the organization for 10 years. Like, and, you know, we're, we're seeing not only them draft players, but these. Meadow proving why they, you know, were so high on him. You know, the previous regime, they would be like, oh, yeah, we love this guy because of this, this, and this. And then, like, he would stink. You know, <laughs> it's like they're actually, like, the guys that they're pumped about are actually producing. Um, so that's why I'm, I want to be a little more patient with the front office. Uh, and that's part of the front office's job, too, though. You know, they need to recognize that, hey, this coaching staff's limiting these guys that we got. You know, we we got these guys for a reason and they're not doing what, you know, we thought they were going to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not a huge Oscar fan either. I You know, the, the drop in velocities are very concerning to me. It's something similar where it's like in the minor leagues, we're hearing about this great velocity. They get up to the big leagues and it's like, where is it at? You know, and it's I know that they're throwing more sinking fastballs and often those come down a little bit, but. I mean, uh, you know, we're supposed to have all these pitchers who are up in the upper 90s, and Quinn Priester was sitting 93 with his sinker the other day. Like, you know, I, I need I need more out of our pitchers, and I'm just – I'm very nervous that it's like Garrett Cole 2.0 in a way, like where, you know, they're trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole. And I, th- I think that's – they're going in that direction with this pitching philosophy. Yeah, it makes me it makes me worried for Paul Skeens to be honest with you because he'll be the number one. Like, I'm gonna say that if he's, I made a joke in our group message the other day. I'm like, I can't wait till when Paul Skeens is topping out at 97. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? It's like if he comes up and is doing that, then we definitely know. Okay, there's something that's not right there. (laughs) Yeah, because you know we'll go we'll go. You know, I'll go back to, you know, what you were saying. Like, Luis Ortiz last year, his call-up, he was throwing 100 miles an hour almost every pitch. It was, and, like, laughable. It was like, well, where's this guy been? <laughs> and then, you know, you bring him up this year, and he's throwing – he's topping out at 96, 97 miles an hour, which isn't awful, but when you're throwing 100, 101, that's awful. You know, you're losing four miles on your velo. That, that, that basically crushed him. That's why he was he struggled this year. And then let's not even get into Rowenzi Contreras. Rowenzi Contreras is throwing 92 mile an hour fastballs now. Again, a guy that was pushing upwards of close to triple digits. I don't know if you ever hit it, but you saw him 98. You saw him 99. Yeah. Yeah, When when you lose that much velo, of course you're going to struggle. I mean, in his confidence, you know, his confidence. Was probably you know an indication of why would you have confidence? I mean, you're like, what the heck? (laughs) Exactly. Well, and it's like everybody, right? I mean, outside of Mitch Keller, who it obviously took a lot of time and you know adding pitches and uh, maybe a different circumstance, but it's been pretty much everybody. Which just like I know the pitching's done kind of. It's been spotty. It's been good. It's been bad. We've seen some good stuff, but 
and Mitch Keller, right? Maybe this the, the philosophy of the sinking uh, fastball type pitcher for him has worked out, but yeah. Luis Ortiz is a power pitcher, not a sinker fastball pitcher. Garrett Cole was a power pitcher, not a sinker fastball pitcher. But we made them into that anyhow and then wondered why they weren't giving us these results that we were hyped about. And that's what I mean. Like, and then you go look up the trades after that too. Where is this getting lost from the minor league level to the big league level? What, what, is, what in the messaging is changing there? Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. No doubt. Um, no doubt. It's, uh, it's frustrating. And I think, uh, you know, it's easy to, to, to go down the rabbit hole and, um, you know, just, just start to think about the direction of what this is turning into. And I think you made a good point there, Cody. I think no matter what happens to this regime, um, you know, and to, to kind of go along with Nick's point, the, the analogy to college football as well, no matter if, if they get through this cycle or not, whether they're, they're, kind of allowed to stick around and see if this comes to fruition. I think you have a very solid core. Um, you know, is it, is it just about getting the right personnel in place to make this work? Um, and, and this season, I think, is the one that we all circled as, well, hey, up until now, it was such poor talent that Derek Shelton had to work with. This is a, a roster filled with players that, that just aren't there. So we don't really know 
he has major league players now. And, um, you know, we're still seeing just a, a lack of, of bullpen management at all times. Um, you know, and of course, a team that has looked historically bad at times this year when it comes to scoring runs. Let's talk about the future a little bit there, gentlemen. The 2023 MLB draft, it was Paul Skeens at number one overall. I cannot be uh, less excited. I mean, excuse me, you could not be more excited, I think, about that pick when it was made. Um, obviously, Dylan Cruz at the top of the board for quite some time, but Paul Skeens, uh, generational. Steven Straussberg has been the main comparison that I've seen. You feel great there. Uh, and they get him for $9.2 million. I think it's $500,000 under slots at number one overall. Um, but just- it was more than Dylan Cruz got, which was yeah. something very interesting that we'll probably get into here. Well, let's start there, gentlemen. Let's start with this the numbers when it comes to this first round, specifically with Paul Skeens and the contract he got. But um, just your general thoughts on some of the numbers that came out, not just from Skeens, but that we saw in the first round. Yeah, I mean, overall, the draft was fine. I thought they got some decent players, decent prospects through it. I was a little underwhelmed when the numbers started to come out. You know, I... They had the biggest draft bonus um, pool to work with this year. And they went out and they were aggressive right off the bat with getting a guy like Paul Skeens instead of a Wyatt Langford. So that was a little telling right off the bat that, hey, this is going to be a little different than 2021. They're not t- looking for the guy who's going to take the biggest haircut and then you know spread that money per se. But leading into the draft, the, the reports were that you know Dylan Cruz was asking for slot above slot and the pirates like you said felt just as good about paul Skeens, who was potentially looking at you know a little bit under slot and like you said he ends up coming in five hundred thousand under and you look at the rest of the draft board and you're trying to figure out where this money's going uh then you know they start signing some of their other guys and they're they ended up saving on their draft pool against i don't know like eight, I think, of their top ten picks or something like that. I think one maybe was that slot. <laughs> and then they, they signed Xander Muth to a I'm, – I'm sorry, it's not Muth, right? It's Meath. Um, to a over-slot deal. But they still have a lot of money remaining. Um, they only have one person unsigned right now, uh, Daniel Covety. He's a highly touted third baseman out of, out of Florida. He's committed to Miami, but – he's not exactly like a Bubba Chandler or Lonnie white type ranked guy. Like he's a top two fifty prospect. He's interesting, but he's not someone that I believe they, I saw Ethan Houlihan from pirates prospects put up that they are around, I think 1.2 million if they went with the overage, the 5% overage. And they, they talked a big game. Like they were going to do that. Now covet. He um, put out on social media, like, very quickly after the draft that he was going to go to Miami. I don't know if the pirates like this guy that much that they, they are, were preparing to give him this big of a bonus. You know, everything that we see tells us that wouldn't be the case. You know, he wasn't, like I said, very highly ranked on any of these lists, but I guess we'll see. They said they were going to use up all their money. Um, as the draft developed, it didn't seem like that was going to be the case. And as it kept going into day three, they kept going with these college pitchers. And it was like, okay, maybe Skeens is going to cost over slot. And then he didn't. So I don't know. <laughs> it, was a, it was a little underwhelming to me 
Um, I thought they were in a position to do something similar to 21. I thought, but um, yeah, it definitely wasn't nearly as exciting as I expected it to be. Yeah, I agree with Nick. Um, you know, Paul Skeens, he signed for, I believe, $500,000 under slot. And then you got Mitch Jeb. Mitch Jeb was our was their second round pick. And, you know, that slot value was around just over $2 million. And he signed under slot for 1.6. So, you know, you're already saving a bunch of money from the first two slots uh, and their first two picks. And then you get Xander Muth. That would be our comp pick in round two. That's the only guy in the first 10 rounds, I believe, that went over slot. And he went over slot. That slot value was $1.1 million. He ended up signing for 1.8, wrote an article on Rum Bunter about it. Um, you know, interesting guy. Uh, he's compared to Tanner Houck. They're actually from the same area in Illinois. Um, he has a low arm slot delivery. Uh, can, as an 18-year-old, can reach up to 97 miles an hour, but typically sits around 92 to 94. So with Oscar Marine at the helm, he'll probably sit at 89 by the time he uh, gets up to the major leagues. But uh, um, no, nah, I'm just kidding. But um, well, partially kidding. But then, you know, so you get so you get those guys, you know, but to be honest with you is kind of underwhelming. You know, Mitch Jeb, uh, you know, as a second round pick, I, you know, going under slot, you know, you could have went over slot there and got somebody a little bit more intriguing. But, you know, you get another middle infielder, you know. Ben Sherrington likes those guys. And then in the third round, you get Garrett Forrester, which I think is a very intriguing pick, but he also went under slot. So it's like where we have right now, even without the uh, going over the the bonus pool, we have $1.1 million to work with and everybody has signed. Everybody has signed except for, um, you know, Daniel Covey or Covet and, if I guarantee if they offer him, if they want to use all the money and they offer him $1.1 million at a, at the 17th round, I have a hard time believing he's not going to take that. I agree. So, I mean, we'll see, but I just, like you, like you said, Nick, I think it was very underwhelming. They could have, they could have went the route. In my opinion, they could have went the route even after the second round, if they knew they were going to go under slot with Mitch Jeb, they could have went, and, uh, you know, got some of these top 50 guys that were just sitting there um, and went over slot with some of those guys. Um, there was a lot of intriguing, intriguing high school guys that, you know, that they just passed over. And looking at it now with the money they have available, I don't see what the purpose was. Yeah. Interesting uh, how it unfolded the rest of the way. Uh, but I guess, you know, there's still uh, we'll find out a little bit with um you know if they are able to sign everybody in this group here we didn't ask you cody did did you like that pick at one one with paul skeens there uh would you prefer to be Cruz or maybe in langford or, or were you skeens all the way there as well no i was i was all dylan Cruz. that's the guy i wanted um i didn't care if it was going to cost us 10 million dollars i wanted him and looking back at it now we could have paid him at 10 million dollars <laughs> but um but uh but you know what I, the more I think about it, the more I like Paul Skeens as long as, I mean, he was my second option. Uh, it was, they were, it was basically one a or one, or what is that? How's that saying go? Yeah, one a, one, 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 one
So it was that that was my choice. It had to have been one of those two guys. I was going to be pretty mad or pretty disappointed if it was Max Clark. Not that Max Clark isn't a guy that is very, you know, has a lot of potential, but it's it's do, are we trying to win now? Are we trying to win soon? Or are we trying to just continue to rebuild, right? And by hiring uh, or excuse me, uh, drafting a high school kid, that's what my thought would have been is that they're just constantly pushing this thing back. So it had nothing to do with Walker Jenkins, Jenkins or Max Clark. It was, are we trying to win here soon, or, or are we are we just continuing to? push this thing further back so that's why i was excited that they picked one of the lsu kids i you know it, in my in order for me it was definitely um you know dylan cruz paul Skeens, wyatt langford okay and then the high school guys so i was perfectly fine with paul Skeens being drafted now as long as they don't ruin him and as long as they fast track him especially if he's doing well in the minor leagues which to be honest with you with his his tolls he shouldn't have any issues uh, fast tracking to the major leagues, in my opinion, they, from what what you know, these experts are saying about this kid. I mean, he's the next, the, he's the best pitching prospect since Steven Strasburg. Okay, so it's like, if that's his case, then he, we should not be, you know, waiting for this kid to come in 2025. We need to see him sometime next year, and that's that's my opinion. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Cody. Uh, you know, for me, it was like I wasn't going to be upset with either LSU name. That's kind of like it. Like you said, in my head, I kind of was leaning Cruz um, personally that I wanted him just because of the whole everyday player. Um, again, same thing with Skeens, like his ability to be fast tracked to the major league level and fill, um, you know, something somewhat of a need in the organization made a lot of sense. Uh, so I wasn't going to be upset though, you know, with, with either of those names, I thought they were going to do the Langford route. You know, that was my final prediction. Um, that was my prediction, not my want. Uh, you know, I hope that everyone understands the difference there, but, um, yeah, I schemes. I mean, schemes can make every part of the draft fine. Like literally if he comes and does what he's supposed to do, like, whatever about the rest of the draft class but and that's the type of guy that you're supposedly getting also so it's as much as it was underwhelming at the end of the day like like you said we we've got the best pitching prospects in the last like 15 years so you know it's hard it's hard to be upset about that kind of yeah oh sorry Cody go ahead well I was just saying yeah I agree with him like you know, we were we were uh, just saying how the the rest of the draft was kind of underwhelming. But like like Nick said, if this guy ends up being one of the best pitchers in Pirates history, and who no one's going to even remember, some you know the fifth round that didn't sign Overslot, right? They're going to th- remember this draft is oh we drafted the best pitcher that ever came out of Pittsburgh or came to Pittsburgh. So if that's if that's the case, if he ends up being what we want him to be. Um, or even even more. I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but you never know. We, we drafted him to hopefully become a Hall of Famer. Let's be honest. We don't want we don't want to draft one 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 guy and hope that he's just an above average player. Right. Right. Like, yeah, a, original, like yeah. a Brian Bowlington, you know, a good maybe three starter. <laughs> I can't believe I still can't believe to this day that he actually said that. It's infamous. We will always hear that quote. Um, you know, and and. I was going to say, I kind of feel like this year 
even last year was similar, maybe on a smaller scale, but if Termar comes up and is that guy like he's looked like so far, you know, you kind of feel like the rest of that draft is what it is. Uh, Hunter Barco, I saw made his debut though um, earlier in the week as well. Uh, let's grade real quick, gentlemen. Let's give a letter grade to the past three drafts, 21, 22, and now 23 is we're, I, I would say just about all the way wrapped up with all the numbers and everything else. Give a grade to those past three drafts. Nick, you want to start us? Yeah, I mean, 21, I'm still sticking around, you know, an A. I think it's Henry Davis, again, you know, has proven that he was definitely worth the pick that he was taken at. And you got Anthony Solomedo, who looks like he's going to be on this team next year. And um, also you have Bubba Chandler, who his numbers aren't super impressive when you look at them. He's been better of recent, but... Keith Law recently um, put out his updated top 100 and Chandler, I think in the top 70. So obviously there's some stuff that we as fans, um, you know, aren't seeing per se that, that people who are able to consistently watch his starts are seeing, but you know, there's just a lot of excitement there. Um, In terms of last year's draft, man, 22. Come on, weird one. It was a weird one, that's for sure. But it, it looks like it's going to be a strong one. I think we're we're gonna I'm gonna place it at a B plus right now. Uh, I think Tamar again. If you look at Tamar's overall, like his batting average and stuff, it's not. But he's been on an absolute tear the last like two months. Also, like he's been one of the best hitters in the minor leagues. Um, you're seeing that power uh, that he has from the left side, and you know it's you're seeing that pure bat, you know, I wanted to talk about that actually a little earlier because we were saying about how Max Clark would have represented a little bit of, okay, let's just keep the cycle going. Well, tomorrow was out of high school last year. Right. But the draft was very different too. You had top high school guys last year. There weren't the college names that you had this year. So that's why last year was perfectly acceptable when they took tomorrow because he was the best player on the board and, you know, but anyhow, back to what I was saying, um yeah, I've been then you have Tom Harrington and now you know Hunter Barco coming back. That's kind of why I'm at the B plus thing. If Barco um you know comes back and pitches like you expect a a second round pick, but honestly a first round pick guy, if he doesn't have elbow surgery, he's probably going much higher than he did. So um yeah, I have expectations for him, and he's kind of like the guy that can push this the 22 draft class to that next like exciting kind of level. And then this past draft, I'm going, I'm going B minus, <laughs> um, you know, Paul Skeens gives us, gives us an A, you know what I mean? And then just from there, uh, it kind of, you're losing points as you go. <laughs> so uh, I, you know, I think uh, Meath obviously is super intriguing. Uh, there's a lot to like there. Let's there's I'm gonna comment on that actually too, because not only is there a lot to like there, but I, I have a lot of confidence, I will say, in this front office's ability to identify these prep pitchers around those picks at this point. They took Jared Jones in the second round of uh, back in 2020. He's like, you know, our top pitching prospect probably at this point. Well, not counting skeins, but you know, then you have Salamedo, who has developed into, you know, this 
exactly what you could have hoped for. You have um, the kid last year, Kennedy. What Michael is that his first name? He's been filthy uh, so far in his professional career. He hasn't had a ton of innings. Um, they were kind of keeping him on, you know, on a limit a little bit. But my point is like. I have a lot of high expectations for me based off of the track record of these other prep arms they've taken. They don't take a lot of prep arms. So when they do, it seems like there's something they really like. One thing in common is uh, the funky deliveries. Um, like Cody said, these arm slots a little lower and, you know, Solomito had a funky delivery. Um, Skeens has a little bit of a funky delivery. It's, you know, that's something that we're seeing the Pirates organization, I think, focus on as a supplemental thing to look at with pitchers on top of their stuff is, is that um, deceptiveness on the mound. Um, but, yeah, so anyhow, back to the draft. I'm sorry I got a little carried away there, but me – Meath is like he's the guy who could definitely, you know, make this draft class pretty good. Like he's the guy who has the most upside other than Skeens. So if he can, you know, develop and show that again, you're looking at this draft and saying, okay, like we got two pretty darn good pitching prospects out of this draft class. Like, you know, and then anything else on top of that's just going to be, you know, a bonus. No doubt. No doubt. Um, it's, Another kind of weird, I guess, draft, but uh, I think that's super fair at B minus there. Uh, a little slow decline from 21 down. Cody, what do you got? Sorry, I was muted. But yeah, so I think 2021, I mean, I'm giving it an A plus. I mean, there's nothing really you can, you can't go much better than that right now because you picked the right guy at 1 1, or at least it looks like it to right now, right? He, he's, a, he's an MLB ready hitter. And he can – if you're hitting two home runs against Shohei Otani in the same game, you can hit major league pitching, okay? So drafted him 1-1, so you made the right decision there. You know, the, the next round you pick Anthony Solomato, and like Nick said, he's probably going to be up. He's probably going to be in the starting rotation by next year, sometime next year. Um, the guy has a three ERA, and he's only 20 years old, a low three ERA in double A. He's the second youngest pitcher – in double a um and he's and he's doing what he's doing right now that's obviously a, a great sign um you know lonnie white jr is finally yeah, a good one to bring up because he's yeah god sorry i yeah i was hoping you would bring him up yeah i mean he's finally healthy he you know he was dominating the F fcl league which he probably should be uh, but, you know, and now he's in Bradenton. He's 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 doing pretty well in Bradenton. Took him a slow start, but he's finally coming along. So you got him as well. You know, you got Bubba Chandler. It's going to be a while for him to develop. You know, he's, this is his first year um, just pitching. He's now he's no longer a two way player. So, you know, he's working on his on his stuff there. So it's going to be a while. And then on top of that, he's pitching at Greensboro and Greensboro is not the easiest place to pitch. That league is not the easiest way, uh, place to pitch. So, you know, you, you know, you look at those numbers and you take them with a grain of salt as well, and you just want to see where his stuff is at the end of the year and if he's developed into a, a better pitcher. And obviously, if Keith Law is ranking him, ranking him in the top 100, they're seeing right, they're, they're seeing some good things with him. 
That's, so that's why I'm remaining very optimistic about him, honestly, is because of that Keith Law report. Because, like you said, that just shows the expectation and the stuff that's going on that we, we're not seeing. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, you know, Jared Jones, like you said, one of our better pitchers, um, probably number two in the, on the list right now behind Skeens. Well, guess what? He didn't have great numbers in Greensboro either, right? And people were down on him, and he had close to a five ERA. So it's like, and now he's considered, you know, one of the one of the better guys. So it's like that Bubba Chandler could go that route. So we, you know, I'm definitely not down on him at all. So, you know, you got those four guys. You still got Braylon Bishop, but yes, he probably, you know, all four, five, or four or five of these guys are gonna not gonna be, you know, MLB players. But you still drafted him in the 14th round in that draft and still managed to sign this kid. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be what these other guys could be, but he was a top 100, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a top 100 guy. So it's like you drafted him in the 14th round. Yeah, maybe it's not going to work out. But at the same time, it's like, well, you still managed to draft him, right? And you still managed to sign him. So I give this draft an A+. I uh, just, you know, that's, I think if Ben, whenever Ben Sherrington's done with Pittsburgh, he can look back in 2021 and say, you know what, I did a really good job and I helped this organization, at least in that draft class. I truly think that. Uh, 2022, I'm going to give a, and you know, you guys are going to think I'm overdoing this here, but I'm going to give it an A. And the reason why I'm giving it an A, okay, and there's a reason why I'm doing this. Okay, you draft Tamar Johnson at number four overall. Okay, Jackson Holiday was clearly the number one pick. He he was right. The the Orioles made the right decision picking him one overall, and it's showing. I mean, he's dominating Double A, and he's only nineteen or twenty years old at this point. But between the pick of uh, of Tamar, you had Drew Jones that can't stay healthy to save his life. Okay, he might he might be a decent player, but right now. He can't stay healthy, and on top of that, he's not looking like a – you know, even on the field, he's not looking that great. Then you got Kumar Rocker at the third overall pick, okay? He's Tommy John's surgery. He's not looking like that should have been the right pick for the Texas Rangers. We'll see, but it's not looking great for them. And then after Tamar Johnson, they skipped on Elijah Elijah Green, which was my pick, so good thing I'm not a GM – because he, this guy is striking out at like a 50% rate in low A ball, and he's batting like 220 right now. So, you know, those just those numbers aren't looking great at all. Um, and then after that, you had Jacob Berry, which I was, you know, there was a lot of concerns with him. So all those guys in between, you draft essentially the be- the second best player you could have. You, you drafted the best player you could have drafted out of all the rest of those players after Jackson Holiday. You, you, you did the right – you made the right decision again at, at the number one pick. And to be honest with you, if that's that's the most important thing, in my opinion, is your first-round draft pick in, every, in, 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 in the MLB. So, you know, Tamar Johnson, I'm just giving you a, an updated highlight right now. He's two for three tonight – or today as well. Uh, and with a walk, and his OPS is almost at 900 now. So – the kid has a beautiful swing. His his average is up at 257 now, which isn't amazing, but just two weeks ago, I think it was at 240. So it's like he's clearly seen the ball really well. He has 12 home runs. He's is on base is over four tw- or 412 now. So it's like I'm happy with that pick. You know, I'm I'm very happy with that pick. 
And then on top of that, like Nick said, you know, you got Thomas Harrington. Um, you know, he's doing okay. Uh, let's see, Michael Kennedy, um, you know, he's looking pretty good for a high school arm. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of good picks in there. Uh, Hunter Barco, like like Nick mentioned, he just uh, he just made his uh, major or not, excuse me, his professional debut after his uh, Tommy John, and he looked re- pretty pretty good. Obviously, obviously, it was an FCL, but you know he looked good. Um, we mentioned, like I said, Michael Kennedy, but you know you had you know uh, a guy that was also uh, in that draft was uh, J.P. Massey. And that guy was in the Futures game, Futures All-Star game. And, you know, you draft him in like the seventh or eighth round. Well, guess what? I mean, that makes that draft even look better, you know, even look better than what it already is. So, you know, you drafted a lot of college arms. You drafted a lot of uh, good high school arms in that draft as well with, Mike, like I said, Michael Kennedy. So I'm, I'm happy with that draft as well. So A plus A. But now we get to this year's draft. And you already – for me – by not drafting Dylan Cruz, that already knocks it down a point to me. So uh, I think, you know, I'm going to give this a C-plus draft right now for me. I, I I love Paul Skeens. I love the pick. He was, like I said, my 1B pick. But everybody else, I just am so underwhelmed. I'm just, like, not excited about anyone. I'm not excited about anybody. I was, like, jumping around like, oh, my God, I can't believe we got this guy. Like, that, there wasn't that this year at all. Now this, now this obviously this draft is so early, so this grade can change, right? And please, my haters on Twitter, yes, I said C plus, and then when so you know when a, a Mitch Jeb comes in here and becomes an all star, you're gonna they're gonna come at me and be like, yeah, you said he sucked <laughs> or something like that. No, I'm just grading at what I see right now. Okay, yeah. and what I see right now is underwhelming. Paul Skeens is a great pick, but you you had you couldn't go wrong with that pick essentially, right? And then on top, what made what made me give it a, a C grade or C plus grade is you have so much money to work with because you went under slot with the first pick and you still are you underwhelmed with everyone else. I like the Xander Meath pick, but between that, Mitch Jeb, Forrest, or Garrett Forrester, and then a bunch of college arms that uh, you know they have nice tolls, but they're they're college. Stats are definitely not that impressive either. But like I said, I don't really care about college stats when it comes to college arms at, to an extent. But it's just it was very underwhelming to me. But you never know. You never know. That's why it's tough, too, because it's, you know, we grade them. And I think you can obviously have a lot more hindsight with 21. You can think about that a certain way now. Um, but it's interesting to kind of just take a snapshot of each of these drafts uh, and and with the hindsight that we have where we're at right now, I think those are extremely fair. Um, I love it. And, and I think last year, uh, you know, over the past three seasons, and I know we've had four drafts, but you look at the past three, you get a taste of everything. You know, you get a taste of the, the under slot in 21 and, and how they spread the wealth there. And then last year, you know, they go all in, they get the guy, um, you know, that, that was at the top of the board that you pay, uh, you know, at slot. Um, I don't remember the term our contract exactly, but uh, I think they, they went about it the right way in 22. And of course now in 23 as well, Paul Skeens had number one overall. And then, uh, you know, a whole lot of, I guess we'll wait and see with the rest of this draft. Uh, typically on, on our episodes here, Cody, well, not typically every now and then we'll, we'll bring up a tweet of the week or maybe a couple of tweets. Uh, but for this one, since 
you are so well known on Twitter. Have you had a, a favorite Twitter interaction over the last maybe few weeks uh, that you'd like to highlight here for us? I have one actually. I'm not even going to name the kid, the guy, because he doesn't deserve recognition. Honestly, no <laughs> um, but he uh, he's. He said uh, before Shohei Otani's or before his two at bats, he's referring to Henry Davis. Before his his two at bats, before Shohei Otani, he was a complete bust because, and here was his excuse, because he was not the savior of the team. Apparently, one guy, Henry Davis, can save the team, and because he cannot save the team, he is a bust. Save that the is team. a tweet I got today or a couple of days ago, and I was just dumbfounded of how how er or just obnoxious this tweet was so that was that's my tweet of the week i love it it's uh some of the some of the things you see i mean and uh you know you probably talk to more pirates fans on twitter uh than all of us combined but um i, I bet uh yeah the urges to respond to some of that is it's got to be pretty strong there so um respect your work there of course respect uh you know your work on rum munter as well always great stuff cody as we begin to wrap it up here, kind of your final thoughts. Anything else you want to share? We're going to have to get you on, um, you know, again here, maybe right around the trade deadline, of course, to start the offseason as well, to talk about uh, some of that spending that, that we hope to see this coming offseason. But, um, you know, as we wrap it up here on this late July episode, uh, your, your final thoughts, anything else you want to share with us? Yeah, well, like I said, thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to the trade deadline. You know, as a Pirates fan, the trade deadline is our second World Series of the summer uh, behind the, you know, the draft. So it's, you know, it's going to be an exciting time. Um, you know, there's some guys out there that could be traded. You know, you got guys like Santana, hopefully not Choi. I still like Choi. Uh, I would like to see him on this team. But, um, you know, Rich Hill. You know, and by some off chance, if someone desperately wants to get rid of their farm system and get David Bednar, you know, it, it's possible. It's definitely possible with a closer. I'm not I know that's a lot. You know, a lot of people don't want that to happen. But, you know, we'll see what happens uh, during the trade line, deadline. But it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you, Cody. It's all eyes on the trade deadline at this point. Um, like you said, we have some obvious trade candidates for chill. Carlos Santana, I think, is going to be more attractive and net more than people realize. Um, you know, obviously, he's having a solid year at the plate, but he's playing gold glove defense at first base. And, you know, as Pirate fans, we know what bad defense at first base looks like. Um, so it's it's not just something that um, should be slept on, I guess. And the fact that he is a, a – a veteran who has been well-liked everywhere he's been. He's been in playoff series, you know, plenty of playoff series. Like, he's been through it. Like, there's going to be teams that want Carlos Santana because of who he is as a baseball player still. So, I think, you know, he wants to stay here. I'd like to have him stay here. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I saw someone tweet that we shouldn't expect – much of a, of a return for any of these guys. So why should we even trade them? Well, you know, they said that about Quintana last year. And, yeah, Oviedo's had his up, ups and downs. But you, you can still get guys who could potentially help this team right away uh, in these deals. So, you know, let's not, let's not rule out the possibility of that, especially, I don't know, I, I, I think guys like Rich Hill and Carlos Santana probably – 
carry a little more value than Quintana did. I know Quintana looked very good last year, but that was also like a lot of skepticism, like, cause he hadn't been good for a while. And, you know, this year we see him not healthy. So I expect them to be relatively active. Cody, I'm with you. I think Bednar definitely could be on the table. Um, I understand why people don't want him traded, but I also don't get this whole idea of, oh, like, well, you got to start building. So build around the guy that throws 60 to 70 innings a year. I, I don't know. I just can't get behind, you know, we're not exact. We're not winning. So what's, what's the point of having a good closer? Um, is kind of my my thing there you know they've shown how many times that they are able to identify and find new closers a lot of teams do it's a very volatile position so if the right team comes along and says hey we're we're going to give you your everyday center fielder next year and you know a, a pitcher who could maybe be in your rotation you know right off the bat and you know it's it's going to be hard to turn down guys who can have a more of an impact on a team than someone throwing 60 to 70 innings. This one's from Pittsburgh though, Nick. I mean, this is not, I hear you. Mars Hill. No, Mars, Mars, sorry. Mars, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I get it. I, 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 I don't want them to necessarily trade him. I mean, like kind of, I want them to float him out there and see because, We've seen some ridiculous packages for for relievers who have um, cost control uh, uh, behind them also, and he has that. So they're not going to just give him up to anyone who thinks, oh, they're just going to trade Bednar because he's because he's our best player. No, no, yeah, no, they're 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 going to trade him if if they're getting what they believe, like I said, can make a more significant impact on this team uh, long term, uh, but also near term. Yeah, if, 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 if a team, and I'm, you know, feeding off what you just said, Nick, but if a team comes in there, like, I'm just giving out a, a team name. This is no, it's just speculation or whatnot. But, you know, if a team like the Rangers come in there and be like, hey, we're going to give you this guy and this guy, and they're both in the top 100. If they come in talking to Evan Carter, like, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, yeah. you know what? We just drafted Wyatt Langford. We want to win this World Series this year. Here's Evan Carter. Uh, for they have, and hey, you know, you you liked one of those Vanderbilt pitchers at one point. We'll throw one, like you know what yeah. I mean. You can build a package that makes a lot of sense for a guy throwing sixty-five innings. <laughs> and, and, and listen, like to the fans listening, like they are not like like Nick said, they are not going to trade Bednar just to trade Bednar. They have to get absolutely wild for him to to be as well through twenty twenty-five. Yeah, I his, his I don't know. I think he's longer than that. I think it might be 26. Yeah. yeah. I think it's 26. So he's got three three more years of control. He's got an ERA close to under one at this point. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to tear him out of our hands essentially to get him traded. So like like Nick said, if the Rangers come in and be like, hey, listen, we just drafted Langford. We have you know, we're trying to win a World Series here let's talk Evan Carter something like that. That's just like, you know, speculation or whatnot. But if that, if that comes into fruition, you know, some trade like that, of course you're going to listen and talk to talk to that team, but it has to be something like that for them to get rid of him. 
Yeah, and you know, also just everyone keep in mind, like everyone expected them to just get rid of Brian Reynolds, and they never moved from the price on him, and you know, they end up extending him instead. I'm not saying they're going to extend Bednar. Uh, I think that would be a little bit of a mistake. Personally, I don't want to invest money into the bullpen, like I said right now, but eventually, but I just feel like that money needs to be spent elsewhere before we can worry about having a good bullpen. Um, but anyhow, uh, yeah, I just think it's like one of those, like Ben Charrington isn't going to to move off his price for a guy that we're talking about a perennial, you know, all-star basically. So he's not going to just trade him to trade him. So let's just not even have that as a, as a thought. <laughs> yeah. 2026 uh, is when the, the Pirates do have control there, but will he be a Pittsburgh Pirate 2026? And, and, you know, will some of these other guys that you gentlemen just brought up, will they still be around following the month of July? We're going to be back a week from today for a full on, Trade deadline preview for 2023, um, you know, break all this stuff down, project and, uh, you know, kind of give our thoughts on, on what is going to go down and what this team is going to look like following that deadline coming up next week. But for Cody Duncan and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Yannity. Thank you all so much, as always, for joining us on this episode of Rum Bunter Radio. Go check us out on Twitter at Rum Bunter. You're going to want to check out our guy Cody Duncan on Twitter as well. If you've not done so already, that's Cody Duncan PGH, like the City Connect jerseys. Sega, I try to bring him up as much as I can on this show, Cody. So I'm glad we got to with your Twitter handle here to close it out as well. Uh, guys, check us out on rumbutter.com. Cody's articles can be found there as well, along with Nick's work, Marty, the rest of our unbelievable staff at Rub Hunter. But until next time, the Pirates uh, struggle and look to limp to the finish here in this month of July. We'll see you. Have a great weekend, everybody. And let's go Bucks. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.